welcome to the Sales Book Club podcast with Daniel, Matt, Zach, and Ryan. We all met uh, at Outbound. This is where the uh, the idea for this co- podcast came from. Was uh, from Outbound Sales Conference in Atlanta every year. Matt and I met a couple of years ago. Uh, Ryan and Zach came in uh, this year, and you know, as we're kind of discussing and networking over the couple of days, we, we discussed some of the books that the speakers had had written and, and we each kind of got a different different notes, different perspective out of, uh, of each book. And, you know, f- from that we said, well, let's, uh, let's just have a book club. And then, you know, the, the idea from there was, well, why don't we just record it and see what other people, you know, maybe we can share our thoughts and insights with other people and, you know, give them a different perspective on the book than, than if they would have read it all by themselves. And so that's the, the, the joy of any book club is, is getting someone else's perspective on the exact same piece of material. It kind of gives you a little bit different uh, insight into where a frame of reference or mindset comes from and how that influences, you know, your perception of a book. Uh, this first, uh, this first episode, uh, we have decided to to review Thrive by Mary Elliot Powell. She was one of the uh, speakers. I think we were all very impressed by her at, at Outbound. Uh, her messaging was very uh, the t- the timing was very very well uh, received uh, with this book called Thrive because it's uh, essentially it's about addressing uncertainty in in business particularly which is, I think, after coming out of 2020, a very, uh, a very applicable book uh, that everybody went through. So, you know, what was nice is, you know, one, I got, I actually got the book from Meredith herself, although I didn't get it signed for some reason. I don't really know how I, I escaped that, but uh, for, it just came out on, uh, this what, two months ago, guys, That's I think right. is when it came, uh, yeah. was released. And so it's, I think it was like, very, released, very like a week or two before outbound. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very, very fresh and, and, and new. And I'm glad to see it's already on, uh, on audible as well. Uh, but no, I, I I'll let you guys kind of kick off any, uh, any thoughts that you guys had on you know, starting this podcast and, uh, itself, or if you guys want to jump straight into the book. Now, uh, Daniel, thanks for hosting today, man. This is Matt. Um, <clears throat> I, one of the things I, I really appreciated about this book is the um, insight that she shares about um, changing our perspective on um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, on uncertainty. Uncertainty. Thank you so yeah. much for that. Um, to not have our head in the sand about it, but to understand that uncertainty is going to happen. And, you know, we're working our way out of the uncertainty of uh, COVID right now. Hopefully we are. Um, but to anticipate from a sales perspective, really, that that uncertainty is coming in the future. There will be another one. There will be another crisis, be it natural disaster or whatever. And to be ready for it and to be able to pivot and to make whatever necessary changes that you need to make within the uncertainty, not for, not to wait for it to be over. I thought that was a, a great insight right out of the right out of the shoot that she shared. Yeah, you know, I think one reason we're doing this book club, right, is we're we're approaching this 
the idea of sales books and books about leadership and other things within the sales genre from this perspective that we're all in sales, right? Um, and that we're living it. We're not just pitching a book. Um, and to your point, Matt, I, I kind of found that this book was really helpful. I approached it initially with really no baseline of understanding because I didn't see her when I was at Outbound. I, I didn't have a chance to hear her speak, but um, they were just very practical things right from the get-go. Of even if you're not a business owner, how how you can still manage your own book of business as a salesperson or manage the accounts that you're working with. And I think one thing that really kept me interested because the topics can be a little dry initially when you're talking about risk and uncertainty and other things is she'd cite real world examples. And that was a big takeaway for me too. And actually I purchased some soap as a result for my wife from one of the right. <laughs> chapters. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the real examples she share, shares were, were great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree guys. I really enjoyed, this is Zach, by the way, I, uh, I really enjoyed uh, seeing those real world examples. And I think, um, when you get to the end of the book and I won't give it away what company it was, um, but there's a company that's been around a really long time and um, I'm sure all of us had, had seen that company before. Uh, she kind of puts all of the strategies she talks about in and it's just really cool for, for me personally. I like that real world uh, examples of companies that have been around a long time. And, and Matt, I think you had touched on um, the concept of uncertainty you know, she leads right off in the book saying, hey, the world has changed and it's not going back. And I think there's a lot of people in the sales profession that are out there that are probably hoping and wishing that, hey, can we go back to in-person meetings? Can we go back to the way things were? were? And uh, me personally, I just don't see that being the future of sales of, you know, the things it, there's a new age of virtual blending and whether there's some in-person, some virtual, I just don't see it going back to to the way it was before. And she, she really talks about that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, it could, took me a few chapters to actually catch on to like her structure as I was reading through it. And, and as she does, she kind of lays out, you know, in each of those like, uh, you know, nine chapters of the, of the core content, you know, an example of an old company that, you know, goes back to the 17, 1800s that still exists today and then kind of analyzes their approach. You then uses a modern example as well that, that kind of puts it into some, some context. And then she kind of goes into, you know, how do you apply that strategy and what is it, how do you reference that to a big picture? And I think that does, that kind of goes back to sales as well is that, you know, you, you, if you're caught up in just the minutia of whatever it is that you're trying to help your client solve and they can't tie it back to the, the big picture, then, you know, it doesn't, it's not going to be nearly as impactful. Um, you know, the, the, in the very first chapter, what I, I love about it is because this isn't necessarily a sales sales book. That's right. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's kind yeah. of a, a, we'll say management and, you know, just uh, kind of a book, but she hits very first, right out the gate, uh, uncertainty is an emotional subject. And, you know, I can't help it. It went straight to just like sales, people buy with emotion and justify with logic. And that's, I think the same thing with within a leadership role is, you know, this is uncertainty is emotional. And with that, you have to, to get people to move in one in one direction or another, you have to meet them with emotion, not with logic, right? 
And so it's like, it's not a, it's not a sales book, but man, it does have a lot of very good sales related content in it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I think you make it, Daniel, I'm sorry, go ahead, Ron, uh, Zach. Yeah. And I think you make a great point about it. It's very emotional, Daniel. And, you know, she talks about uh, one of the strategies, be relentless about your vision. Mm -hmm. And if you if you truly understand the vision of of what you're trying to do, it makes the decisions a lot more easier to to be made because it's like, hey, is this is this uh, decision we're making? helping us live out the vision that we have for the company? And, you know, I, I thought that was a big takeaway for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead, Matt. Please. No, go ahead, Ron. Well, like the first two chapters were really kind of key for me because I think especially early in my sales career or just in life in general, you think that if you have a moment of uncertainty or time of uncertainty, that maybe you're on the wrong path. Mm-hmm. Uh, in reality, that's not necessarily true, right? Sometimes there's outside forces that we can't control or maybe we're just going through a turbulent time. We're going to come out on the other side. And I, I know for me personally, there's been times I've probably quit something too quickly or too early. Um, and what I liked about it was that the, early on, she identifies that one, uncertainty and risk are real and they happen even to the best of companies. And two, like what you were saying, Zach, is as long as you have a vision, like a foundational uh, vision of what your company is doing or who you are as a person, you can come out on the other side. Um, and it actually started making me think about what is my own, like, what is my own vision for me as I'm going through life and how am I going to like remain steadfast? So I really enjoyed, like, you know, Daniel, you're saying it's not necessarily a sales book, but at the same time, a lot of the concepts drive right in sales or just life in general. And sorry, Matt, I'll turn it over to you. because No, I'll pick you back on what you just said, um, Ron. I think from a, a personal vantage point if i was just picking up this book and starting to read it and i would start with chapter 12. i, I would go there first because I, I, I think and i think one of you guys has just said this so much of yeah. the first nine chapters is written from for a management for management mm-hmm. um perspective because you know think about the sales guy there's a lot that you know you, you can't really shape the vision there's a lot of those steps that you can't really change but you can put these strategies in place for your own personal life. And that's what she addresses in chapter 12. And so regardless of what your title is, regardless of where you sit on the leadership team, or even if you sit on the leadership team, there are principles in chapter 12, which are, it's the whole book summarized and how you make this so personal. That's, that's where it's a game changer. I think for you and your role as a, in sales, as a sales professional, or your role as the leading a sales team or whatever it might be. Um, if you can implement these nine strategies that she speaks to management to in the first nine chapters and make those personal, I mean, that's, that's where it's a game changer. Um, no matter, no matter what your role is. Right. Sorry. I had it on. Yeah. I, I really, I have I kind of going to, to what Zach said, the, the vision, I had more notes on this chapter, chapter two than I think any other chapter. It was, it was so impactful to me. There's so many, you know, great um, points that she makes. And, you know, kind of a a big concept of that is like, you know, it's just what you choose to focus on is within your control. There's all Mm -hmm. kinds of outside influences, Ryan, like what you said, that you can't control that. You can't 
the, the big macro stuff you can't do, but you can control, you know, there's certain things you can do. And, and I, I reference this, something I saw recently, and it's like, if, when you learn to ride a motorcycle, you know, you, you have to focus on where you want the bike to go. Cause if you focus on the curb as you're making a turn or something like that, you're going to end up getting over there toward that, that turn or whatever it is that you're choosing to focus on. Same thing with, you know, uh, driving a boat. You really have to be intentional about, Hey, this is what I'm focusing on. Cause that's where you're going to go. So if you focus on all the outside factors, you, nothing's going to actually, you know, move, uh, or move forward. Um, Another thing I really, really liked about uh, about this chapter was um, she hit it really. A direct quote was: "Some leaders believe in writing down the vision means they can check it off their uh, task list, mm-hmm. you know, corporate task list, and move on to other stuff. But if you don't have that set in stone and know why, then you know, otherwise, in times of uncertainty, in particular, right. you know, where." where are you supposed to go? What right. are you supposed to do to keep things alive? It's if, if you don't know your purpose. Um, I, like I said, I, I really, really enjoyed this, uh, this section of it. And, and, and Matt, yeah, it does. You can take this and, and apply it to your personal life in a lot of different ways as well. I, yeah. yeah. How do you, how do you implement some of these strategies when you're in a position where you can't shape the vision or you, you can't, um, necessarily be the one who gives the, the leadership during uncertainty. So how do you, how do you actually implement some of this from a, just imagine yourself as you're the sales guy, you're the sales professional for the, for your company, that's your role. And you're asked to stay in that box. So how, my, my concern is that readers who are in those roles, this, this might even frustrate them a little bit. That's why I go to mm-hmm. chapter 12. And Ryan, Great, Zach, you're about to blow up, man. What are you? Yeah, I know, right? I, I, I just like, hey, thanks, thanks for the awesome segue because I was. I just teed it up for you. You, you really did. Um, you know, so I'm reading through this book and I'm thinking exactly what you're saying, Matt. I'm going, okay, this is cool and all, but how do I apply this to me? Because I, I'm not, like you said, I'm not in that um, position to make those decisions. You know, kind of st- not not stay in your box, but but like you know. Uh, so what do I do? And then exactly like you said, you get to chapter 12 and it talks about here's how you apply them. And so I started writing down, you know, she said, well, what do you want to do uh, health wise, relationship wise, this wise and all this? I just started taking a pen, wrote it down, put the date on it. And here you go. That way, when I come back to this, oh, I don't know, a, a year from now, six months from now or whatever, and re- read through again or pick up something like, oh, hey, did I do that? You know, kind of a, a check. Um but it, I mean, I just, I had that thought at first, but then as I got to the end, like you said, I, I think it all kind of started to really come together uh, and make sense. And I thought about, okay, maybe I don't know the vi- um, if the vision of the company is, is strong enough to grab a hold of, but I know what my, you know, I know what my why is, so to speak, to, right. to the line from Cynic, you know, uh, you know, why do I get up and come to work every day? Well, I get up to work to come every day because I truly believe in helping people get better at what they're doing. And we have a product that offers that. And, and I really believe that at the core. And and so I just thought of that as I was reading after chapter 12, like you'd mentioned. So thanks yeah. for the tee up. <laughs> You're welcome. I mean, it is a good question. I, I don't know if any of us are necessarily in a CEO position or something where we can influence an entire organization, but I was thinking about it too, that like I'm the face of my company to a lot of our clients. Sure. We have company goals and visions and 
whatever, right? Pillars. But in reality, the, those clients are only interacting with me. And so I started thinking about it from the standpoint that kind of what you were saying, Zach, is you still have your reasons for why. I still have my own vision, my own foundation. And one of them, like uh, chapter uh, five is be clear about your core values, right? We have our company core values, but we have our individual ones too. And I just, right. I bring those to those calls, to those interactions with clients and, you know, stay truthful to myself. Um, and fortunately, I worked at a company where, you know, I'm not really in a position where I need to compromise my core values to work there. Um, so that helps. But, uh, but you know, I can still bring a greater version of myself to those, to those meetings. Yeah. Ryan, it was, I think that's a really interesting uh, point that kind of ties back to what Matt had said is, you know, as salespeople, you are the face of the organization, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, what if you don't have if there isn't clarity from from your organization on what those should be, you know, you can instill and reflect upon uh, what you believe those to be you know, in lieu of your organization, as long as it fits within your own personal context, as well as, you know, it kind of goes back to the, there's a, there's a great line in chapter one, and it, it was talking about, you know, grow the business mm. is, is part of the, one of those, those first, those phases of dealing with uncertainties. And it says, find creative ways to serve your customers. You know, that's, that, and that's, you know, kind of out from the get go. And so if you f are able to focus on serving your customers and, and, in delivering a vision that, that they, you know, a, a vision of, of whatever it is, how you help them solve their problems, um, you know, how you can make their job or role uh, better. You know, if you can focus on that and deliver some, you know, articulate some language, I think you, you already are doing part of that, uh, that, you know, being relentless about the vision mm -hmm. you're, may not be aware of how well you're doing it or you may not be intentional about it but that's it's how it's being received by the client is is you know they especially if it's somebody you've never you've never worked with before right if it's new business yeah. you know you've got to tell a story and not you know you've got to be able to, to show them hey this is the the path toward however we're going to help you and how it's going to benefit so you know i think you know, it is frustrating that you can't set it at a real high level. You may not be able to to, to shape it at a real uh, broad company-wide level, but at least how you communicate with your clients is totally within your control. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Let me, let me ask you guys a question, um, and I'll answer it so to give you guys some time to think about it. But um, her fifth strategy is to secure your base. Uh, of people that you have in your life that that kind of are your your rock. Mm -hmm. What what are some ways that you, that you guys have done that, and, and how have you seen that benefit uh, your own life? I know for me, uh, and you guys are part of my base now, and that's really cool to see how that happens over time and how it, it changes. And um, <clears throat> I'll use the words of the great philosopher Medea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there, there are people who come in your life for a season and there are people who, who come in your life and they stick um, she calls it refers to them as, as leaves and, 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 and roots or people with roots so anyway uh, but um, you know for me that's been a huge part of, of, of every arena that I live my life in both my work uh, my recreation my church my family um, just to have that base of people that are holding me accountable, that make me better, 
um, those that I can I can lead, those that I can lead up, lead lead, lead down. Um, and I think from from a sales pers- professional's perspective, I think it's extremely important that we have a good base of people around us because we're we're facing we're we get paid to deal with rejection all day long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we got to have people in our lives who encourage us, who hold us accountable, who will, you know, ask hard questions and who will be that base. So what are some, some benefits that you guys have seen? Cause I assume you guys all have that. I, I think I know you all well enough to know that you do. Um, or, or have there been benefits that you've experienced from having a good solid base of, of relationships and network around you? I think the easy answer is yes, right? <laughs> but um, like for me, working from home has actually kind of strengthened that base because I spend more time with my family, for example, and I, um, you know, I, I get reminded on a more constant basis of why I'm working every day, right? Um, yeah. But then, you know, um, I forget who says it now, but you know, where you're some of 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 who you hang out with, the right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, she actually says that on page 240. Oh, that's right. Remember, yeah. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Choose exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, like for me, I try to, I try to always put myself in a position where I'm surrounded by people who might be smarter than me, or maybe they're, they're being a little more productive than I am. Like I'm probably the weakest of that bunch. I try to put myself in that position because I'm trying to strengthen my own self. And like you were saying, Matt, sales is rejection and it's very emotional. We're all in our head all day long. Um, so you have to have that, that, um, that grounding, that base to really kind of build you out. You know, you know, from a you know personal level, yeah, I think it's, a, it's extremely important to have that base, you know, that, kind of goes back to they're going to keep you honest to what your core values are and help you and, and help shape what those values are as well. And so, you know, doing that in isolation is is very challenging to do and, and actually have it be successful, right? Because you, you have to have accountability partners. You have to have people that that you, you look up to and people that you're trying to, you know, also lift up as well, kind of a mentor, mentee. Um, uh, philosophy, you know, from a in a business perspective, I, I, I really liked the 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 base part of that because in in you know times of uncertainty, you know, you can go back to the. It's easier to sell to people that you've already sold to, mm-hmm. right? That, that's the easiest sell you can make. But so often we may not we may not ask them. Okay, well, what else are you are you struggling with? Where are those other areas where you know I can eat? maybe provide insight or, or maybe that's something you can, you pick up on from, from multiple places that guys, this is a, an area that's within our, you know, wheelhouse that we're not, we haven't even recognized yet. And so kind of a, you know, some, some companies sort of do that and call it like an annual account review, you know, you, they sort of touch on that, but uh, I don't know many companies that do it and do it well, mm-hmm. unless things, unless things go, go poorly. Um, and, and not to foreshadow too much, but I really enjoyed, like she hit really hard on that, that ninth, um, that ninth strategy of, of, you know, it's rinse and repeat yeah. is you have, you can't, you can't, this isn't a one and done, you know, all of these strategies and all of the, the 
great content in this book is not it's not one and done. I don't, I, I really think, you know, it's, you say a book that came out two months ago is going to be timeless, but I really feel like this is a the kind of book that you can pick it up five years from now and it's going to be 100% relevant uh, then as it is right now. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, but like I said, going back to that rinse and repeat part, like you, you can't take anything for granted and, and it doesn't ever stop changing. So, you know, knowing where who your best you know people are that you can rely on to give you good accountability good information on you point out your blind spots whatever that may be i think it's that's crucial and, and extremely important right yeah uh the fact that throughout it there's a theme of being proactive right like when you have uncertainty be proactive with securing your base be proactive with you know, strengthening your team whatever the case may be but to your point, that rinse and repeat, I really enjoyed that chapter because I think sometimes, at least again, for me personally, I think, oh, well, I've done it. Maybe I'm good. But she's kind of reiterating, no, you have to keep going. <laughs> um, so it's not, a, it's not a sprint by any means. It's definitely a marathon. So I did appreciate that. Yeah, I agree with you guys too. Uh, I think it was Ryan. I think you said uh, you're the sum of the the or you're the average of the five people you're you're with. I think it was Jim Rohn actually originally that said that. Yeah. And and it's so true. It's it's uh, funny because that's that's really kind of the goal I've tried to do here with you know meeting. Uh, you know, really that was part of the reason to go to Outbound um, was to meet some more sales professionals. Um, and just did another uh, influence and and really like she says secure the base from a personal standpoint. Um, and it, and it's just great to have, um, you know, like a mentor in, in life, whether that be sales, uh, or professional, excuse me, professionally or personally. Uh, but then you've got some coaches and then you've got some, some peers as, as like I would call them, uh, such as your, you guys for me anyways. Um, you know, in the, in the book, she talks about in that chapter, she talks about develop the relationship with your customers listen, listen, listen. And then lastly, it's, she says, um, apply the knowledge. And, and I think the, the last one really for me is, is the big key. You know, you can uh, develop those relationships, you can listen, but if you don't do anything with it, then what good did the first do too? So, so I think that was a big takeaway, at least in that chapter for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, did you guys, because I really liked all the chapters, but I found myself getting a little cynical because I was looking at my own company and all the proceedings. <laughs> 100% felt the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think, what would somebody write about my company in 20 years? Right. <laughs> they didn't suck. I just, I would, re- I would listen to the chapter and I'd be like, why aren't we doing this? <laughs> That's funny. That's okay. good. That's good. I was the only one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's great, you know, and, and you can, I wouldn't say it's, you could be idealistic. I do think that everything in here, I don't think it's idealistic at all. I think it's, there. you know, all of these points are really good areas to strive for. And in, you know, going through life and business and yeah, like the uncertainty part is always going to be there. And so how do you, you know, how do you deal with that? You know, through these, you know, utilizing these, these areas and, and nobody's perfect in all of them, right? There's, you know, there's a, all it's what's great is kind of going back to the the structure you know she uses a, a different company from you know whatever 17 1800s and 
it's not always this perfect journey. Like it, there's times where it's like, it starts to falter and people are, it's in question. And then, you know, that's the, I think the, what helps bring a lot of context to the, her content itself is, is using these examples and stories to help, you know, Hey, they, they hit this, this bad spot and, you know, this particular area helped get them through that. And, and so using those examples was great. And, I was actually, I was kind of relieved when, when she gets to, uh, toward the, the end, when she uses Brooks brothers as a, a negative example, yeah. you know, she, she didn't use any, we'll say negative examples or anything. We'll say in, in that kind of realm of thought until then, and those can be really powerful. I appreciate that she didn't focus on the negative though, in, in the book, because you could point out a bunch of companies, why they didn't succeed and, and break them down. Um, she briefly mentioned like, uh, I think it was like Circuit City and a couple yeah. of others, but but Brooks Brothers was like, you know, she really kind of spent a couple of pages writing on, you know, they they didn't do a couple of these crucial steps, and you know, they ultimately uh, failed. And it's crazy when you think about it. Just ten years ago, like Brooks Brothers is was this premium brand, yeah. right? And and they just they're gone. Yeah. Um, it's it was really a uh, like I said, I appreciate she didn't use use that those kind of lessons learned mm-hmm. too much because um, I think it could have definitely taken away from the tone of the book um, completely rather than focusing on the success and what people did right. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I mean, we all know about the Enrons and the Worldcoms of the world. You know, you can analyze those day in, day out. But it was nice. Like, I think what I appreciate, too, is she would highlight um, companies that a, they had some longevity, but two, they had went through struggles, right? And then she talked about how they came out on the other side. So she wasn't just highlighting these, you know, unicorn success stories that never encountered a, a bump in the road. I appreciate that she was, again, citing real companies that had real problems and how they overcame it. So there's a, I want to ask you guys this. In chapter eight, she talked about strengthening your team. And, you know, especially if you're a, you know, individual sales contributor, right? You don't have a team necessarily under you. Um, And this is, again, kind of goes back to that almost cynical, like, all right, how do I have an influence here Um, kind of perspective? Uh, But there is something here that I think uh, carries over to, to what our role as a sales professional and uh, on, on page 166, this is the first thing leaders at all levels need to understand is the mindset of each employee. But I think we can take that into a sales function and, you know, everybody that we encounter within the customer or the client's side, you know, you have to take into account the, the mindset of each stakeholder, you know, involved in, in that sale. You know, and I think it sometimes we can forget it, especially if there's one really loud voice that on, on the on their side that's, you know, okay, they're the internal champion, but it doesn't mean that they're bridging the gaps or listening to the other functions, even with their own organization. You know, the the purchasing department has their set of and their frame of reference versus you know the you know operator or, or you know the manager whoever that is, and so if you don't approach that, you know, how to, where, what kind of mindset are they coming from? I think that it's a really, uh, a really good lesson to take in and, and just remind yourself. Uh, 
Yeah, I would go back. Did you guys up, kind of feel back up two sentences before that, Daniel, and where she says you can't build meaningful relationships with someone unless you get to know them, really know them. And so, regardless of your team size, for me, it goes back to understanding that you've got two customers that you serve. You have internal and external. Internal are those cu- customers that work in your company with you. That as a sales professional, um, you have to serve and sell them just as much as you do those that are on the outside. Clearly you get paid based on what you sell to those outside, mm-hmm. but your ability to sell to the outside is determined by how you sell on the inside, if that makes sense. <laughs> and so what we have to do as sales professionals is make sure that we really know the people inside and outside of our company. Um, when, and when we do that and we serve them from a, a place of caring for them, um, both inside and outside, that's when uh, we can really strengthen our team and and build our book and, and do all those things that we're expected to do. Um, but it really starts with us really knowing and caring for those people, I think. How, how do you accomplish that, though, in like the remote era that we're in? It's it's so much harder to do. I can tell you that I, I work remote part time. Um, and so I think it's just it's picking up the phone, um, making calls, not relying just on emails and text. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I believe in the power of the, the voice still. I think you got to make you got to be on the phone um, and and just finding ways to serve them just to show appreciation. I mean, that's the main thing. When somebody does something for you, thank them. Yeah. It's amazing how that's becoming a lost art. <laughs> Um, and just keeping a, a mindset and a mentality of gratitude that um, at the end of the day, I'm grateful for, for what you do. I'm grateful for who you are to this team, to this company. And I think you just speak that, find ways, create ways to say that and, and speak that. And then it pays off. And that's not your motive. You're not trying to manipulate anybody, but you're really doing out of motive, yeah. a, a position of care. But I think that's where it starts. I like that. Yeah, I think I think you guys all had had great insights on that. That was actually probably my favorite chapter to read, just because it you know it really hit home with me. Of you know, I am pretty much just in my own box, so to speak, at my company. Um, but it was a really busy summer, and so we we have a warehouse of of team members that package our product up and, and ship it out, and you know really to have success, uh, on my part is to make sure that they, you know, they, they've got to ensure they're doing a good job getting, getting stuff out in a timely manner. And then not only that, but just making sure the, the quality they're, they're sending the right number of components and all that stuff. So, um, I went over there during the summer and was like, I talked to him for a little bit, got some, uh, pizza and everything. And it was just like, Hey, I, I appreciate all that you do. Uh, so it's, it's little things like that, that she even talks about, you know, get to know your people work, get to know the people you work with and build genuine, genuine relationships with them. Um, mm-hmm. that really makes a difference. It, you know, they, they even told me, you know, Hey, no one's ever done that for us before. So it's just little things like that on really strengthening your team. Because like she goes on to say, you can't guarantee that there won't be uncertainty. Cause as we all know, there, there's going to be that, but to know that you're in the fight with them no matter what happens really goes a long way. And I've been on both ends of the spectrum really with that. And it really goes a long way. Yeah. I'm really glad, glad you pointed that out because like, uh, this is the the beauty of this, you know, of, of this podcast and this, this um, book club is, you know, I, I took this, 
a whole chapter, not necessarily different in a bad way, but but I took it as is completely from a you know external point of view, and and, and I'm I, that part of of really taking like you guys both just shared, you know, I, I selfishly didn't really think about that too much about the internal side of it, and you know, okay, they're not my direct em- employees, so I I can more or less right. okay, that's checked out. How do I how do I use this you know this content, and so. Yeah, that I may go back and reread this this chapter yeah. and and find ways to actually utilize some of you know look at it from that frame of reference because I think there's a lot of a lot in here that I may have missed from uh, from just looking at it from a completely different perspective. That's I'm I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, um, and I could <laughs> go ahead. no, no, you're absolutely right. Um, by the way, I love pizza. So if you ever want to <laughs> let me know. Um, I sometimes get in a habit. It wasn't intentional. It's was just because I like to talk a lot. But I'll, I'll call some of my coworkers just to chit-chat, which, you know, we used to have opportunity to do in office. Now I just chit-chat with them. I found that really <laughs> – I have no agenda. I'm usually just wasting yeah. time. But it's, it's, it helps to strengthen the relationship quite a bit uh, for when we need it. Yeah, that, it's amazing how important that water cooler was, yeah. right? You know, the proverbial water cooler. It's a, how important it is. I've always been been sort of a remote employee, and so I've never really had much of that experience. But I do. There is certain people in the organization that I we do have conversations and and discuss stuff, and it's the challenge is trying to keep it from being completely cynical and and a complaint session. <laughs> Oh, that, that happens too. <laughs> sometimes it, it absolutely happens, but the you know there are like glimmers of, of greatness that come from a lot of those conversations too, and and that's the, you know you know I think it, it makes it a challenge in a lot of remote work is is how do you have those conversations organically, and, and I think Matt unfortunately he had to leave, but uh, he hit it really well. Is you just have to you know invest in in people, yeah, and and, and uh, you know, I wouldn't say it pays it pays off. There's, you're not looking for a payoff. Just when you invest in pe- people, you know, good things happen for you and for them. But um, I, I, I think that's a, a important part of of this chapter that apparently I missed. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a great point, Danny. You talk about investing in people. You know, I've, I'm sure we've all heard the quote. You know, what happens if we invest in our people and they leave? Well, the flip side is, what happens if you don't and they stay? Right. <laughs> Well, mm-hmm. she cites a real world example in the book, right? Where she'd had this relationship with somebody for a long time and, you know, we just touched base and um, she never had any expectations on it, right? It was just, hey, I want to touch base. Yeah, that was the, the, the networking chapter. Exactly. That one was. And and she was highlighting that networking, you shouldn't, you shouldn't approach networking from what can I get out of them. You should approach it out of, from a standpoint, how can I give give to them or how can, how can I be of value to somebody that I'm meeting? And she had that relationship with that person where it ended up, you know, being a huge business opportunity later down the road, but it wasn't an intention and maybe that'll never happen. But at the same time, she's living her, you know, her core values and she's being faithful to, to what she believes in. Yeah, very well said, Ryan. I'm really glad you brought that up because I, I thought that was a great example of how she was just trying to be uh, a friend and a good person and a human to mm-hmm. listen and talk to. And lo and behold, like you said, I mean, it was a, a very nice business deal, another referral, another business deal. 
And I think even that third referral, uh, mm-hmm. with, with a trip somewhere, we'll let the, let people read and, and figure out where, but, uh, I mean, I was like, wow, talk about the power of just, like you said, living your core values and just being a good person and, and mm-hmm. helping others and listening and, and look where it got her. Yeah. It, it's made me only focus on companies that are based out of Hawaii or other. Yeah, Hawaii. Right. Right. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think the, you know, oh, go ahead, Daniel. Oh, no, no, I was to say chap. The last one, is that where you were going? I, uh, I was Zach, going to rinse and chapter? repeat. Oh, I was going just before that, the chapter nine are shed fast, keep moving. I thought it was really, really great. And so, you know, there's a lot of great podcasts and, uh, out there and, um, maybe one day ours might join that those ranks, but um, a few years ago, a few years ago, I was listening to, I think it was Gary V is who it was. And, uh, he, you know, one of the things that he's really, really, uh, you know, passionate about is, is fail fast. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think that's, it's really important. And so this is kind of a, a take on that is, you know, you know, shed fast and keep moving is, is I, I, I thought there's a lot of good ways to apply this in both, professional and personal, um, you know, perspectives of, you know, if something's going wrong, the sunk cost, you don't follow that sunk cost fallacy down just because you've, you've invested something there. You know, if it's, and she, she uses a lot of, of, of her personal examples in there of, and talking, being pretty candid about like, you know, her divorce Mm -hmm. and, you know, there's, there's times where you need to, there's maybe they're negative voices, or maybe it's something that's not bringing you any value at all or detracting value per se. And sometimes you got to get block those people out or block those circumstances or, or, you know, from a management, maybe you have to, to downsize a certain uh, division, you know, to stay relevant. But, you know, I, I think a lot of times what a lot of us do is, you know, we'll hold on to things for a little bit too long, you know, hoping to see it pay off when in reality, we've got to be honest and, you know, objective and rely on our, our network or, or our peers and yeah. kind of tie that back to the vision as well. It's like, is this really the right decision? I really enjoyed that chapter. I didn't have a ton of notes, but I, I I'm reading it. And I'm just like, there's a lot of real great real world examples. And I, I, um, I think in that chapter, Daniel, I think that's the one where she talked about, um, she had got to where she wanted to be, um, in, in this position is, uh, I think it was like a C level position. Um, uh, I think she even mentioned a, you know, a high six figure salary, the corner office and everything. I think she was there like a week or something like that. If I remember correctly, or it was, it was a very small amount of time. And she basically told him like, Hey, I don't want the position because it just didn't line up with again, back to her core values and her personal vision and all that. Um, and and so she shed fast and moved forward and, and went into some, another, uh, area and, and she was so much happier. It sounded like, uh, once she did that. That's a, that's a great point because sometimes we think of shedding fast when there's failure, right? Right. But she she had achieved what she wanted to have. I what think the, she did yeah. right what, money, you know, prestige, everything. She had she's mentioned like I think they had three country club memberships because yes. it was a, a benefit <laughs> package. I don't even know what you do with three country club memberships, but um but she realized this isn't what I wanted. And to your point, she shed it fast. And I I think that's almost more impressive than shedding like a sinking ship. So Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Walking away from something because it doesn't align is it takes a lot of guts and it's it's those are hard decisions to make. Uh, I like the, the, the simple simplified breakdown that she kind of uses in, in this chapter of like seeds, weeds and, and needs. And it's like, um, you know, not to be like a you know, book or too far down, like a book report. But it, I think I really like those really simplistic examples of, you know, uh, it kind of it puts it into a visual context as well, right? Of like, okay, this thing, this is growing, you know, yeah, it's growing, but do I really want it to grow? Is it a weed? Do I need to, mm-hmm. to, to get rid of it? And, you know, I, I thought, you know, it's, I think it's funny, you know, the, con- the order in which this book is laid out is really uh, important because without having the, you know, the values and your vision really well established, it's hard to understand those choices and what those, what decisions stem from that. And so, you know, with this being, you know, toward the back end, I thought it was, uh, it does sort of help put a lot of those um, previous chapters in in an even better perspective than they were reading them, you know, on their own. I guess one question I'd have for you guys is like, when I'm telling people about this book, like who do you think the right audience is for reading it? I mean, I have my own opinion. But I'm just curious about you guys. It's a great, great question, Daniel. You, I'll let you go first. <laughs> yes, yes. I had, I was thinking the same thing as I'm reading this. Is like my first thought was like, man, I want to give this to every manager I've ever worked for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not just not just currently, just all of them, right? If, if I'm talking from presidents to to you know, say first line managers. I, you know, and but this really though, I think it does fit in a lot of different buckets of, of different people because it does it it carries across from just management roles in a lot of different contexts. Um, you know, I, I think that's it's a very wide audience. Um, entrepreneurs, I think, would get a, a whole lot out of this, especially startups. Though, you know, beyond my own like personal thoughts on that, I was like, man, the startups would could use this tremendously because it, every corner in a startup, every time you turn a corner, there's a giant uncertainty event mm-hmm. that's either going to crash and burn your business or it's going to explode. And so navigating that, I, I think this would really help, you know, those small businesses or startups um, probably more so than anybody else. Um, not to say much, some of my previous bosses, it wouldn't help them, but I don't know if they would be in the right frame of, of reference to actually enjoy the book, but you know, there's a reason we don't work for them. (laughs) I'm sure you guys have the same thoughts as well. So, um, uh, Zach, I I know you had some, some good thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's funny because I, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, um, one of my previous employers, I thought, uh, so, so I left my previous employer, uh, about midway through the pandemic. And, and a lot of it was due to uncertainty in what was happening. They were in a manufacturing world and, um, they were talking about some furloughs and, and maybe rolling furloughs and all this stuff. And we, we had let, uh, an engineering manager go. And I just, you know, it, it was the uncertainty there that really made me start to look because I just didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, the company had been, uh, up for sale, you know, previous years, way before my time there. But if that happened, what, you know, just all this uncertainty. And I think 
had we had this book and, and we had conversations uh, about big picture, where we're going, where it's going, it would have been less turnover because um, I'm not the only one that left for the same reasons, I'm sure. And so having that vision and we're living the core values and we're doing X, Y, and Z that she talks about in the book, I think it would really have helped uh, retention and the company itself as well. So that that's one person I would give it to is, you know, previous employers that I think we probably all would. Um, but I think really, even as a sales rep to, to read it, it's in my opinion, uh, it's an easy read. Uh, you can get through it very quickly. Uh, but it's just good to have a, a different knowledge. Like I think we had talked about earlier in the, in the podcast. Um, it's not all about sales and Hey, build the pipeline and do this and do that. It's a, it's a nice, uh, different aspect of sales, if you will, on mm-hmm. it, it just really, uh, rounding yourself, uh, and being well-rounded in, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I actually read it as a semi cynical sales guy. Right. And then uh, as I'm reading it, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far as say it's inspirational because I don't think that's the intent of the book, but it definitely changed my mindset and, you know, encouraged like a growth mindset that I hadn't, you know, again, sometimes you let it linger. And, um, and so I would definitely give it to managers as you were saying, but, uh, if there's any kind of individual contributors, well, that still has that growth mindset where they want to progress in their career, they may not be in that leadership position yet. I, I think it's a great book, uh, to, to read through. But uh, Agreed. And uh, kind of, I, I think we're probably, are we probably getting close on time? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, to, yep. to kind of like in the book, how she talks about, uh, rinse and repeat. So as I'm reading, so first I see it, it says rinse and repeat. And then I read, I read through the chapter and everything. And I, I can't help to think back to, uh, the seven habits and, and the last habit, you know, being sharpened the saw. And I just thought, wow, you know, it's, it's really true that, um, yeah, you can do something one time, but you got to continue. Uh, I don't know if you guys read, anyone's read the, uh, compound effect or anything, but Darren Hardy talks about Mm-hmm. Did we lose him? You can hear me though, right? Yeah, I've got gotcha. you. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know if it was me. No, I think we, we lost Zach there, uh, which... I guess the timing works out. I hate that he didn't get to finish his point before dropping off, but yeah. Um, but, but yeah, this is a. I, I really, really enjoyed this book. I really think, again, like I said earlier, I think it's a. It's going to be fairly timeless. I think we can pick it up, you know, at any point in the future and and go back to it, and, and it's going to be remind you, like, oh yeah, I really needed to be better at, you know, this. You know, I, I I'm struggling here. Uh, I think that, that context will, will be great. I'm, I really enjoyed it. I hope uh, the audio book might be, uh, might be great too at, while you're in the car. I'm, I'm glad that she's already got that out as well. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's the one that narrates it. You kind of hear her voice. Oh, fantastic. Um, yeah. I, again, I, 
I entered this book without any knowledge of what to expect. At first, I thought it was going to be a little boring and dry, and I was pretty well surprised from the get-go. I think maybe the first 10 pages, you know, are a little dry, and then you start, it starts to kind of building on itself. And then after that, I was like, oh, I, I really enjoy this book. I, I actually looked forward to, like, finishing it pretty quickly because I there was so much value I got out of it. No, it was a great, great book. We'll, we'll look forward. I, I, the next ones are going to be a little bit different. I, I, I know – I'm not sure about you guys, but um, I have read this, our next book. I can't tell you how many times. It's probably been four, five, six times at, at least. Um, oh, okay, nice. And so it's not going to be, it's not going to be fresh, like fresh and we'll say enlightening. And so, uh, but I'm, ex- this is my favorite sales book of, of all time. Uh, New Sales Simplified by Mike Weinberg is... Man, it is my sales bible on on my side. I'm, I'm, there's other great, great books, but man, I, that's the one I always go back to, you know, when I need to refocus. So I'm looking forward to that one um, next time. Uh, have you guys read New Sales Simplified? I'm sure. No, I have not yet. No, I'm looking forward. I've read a, a little bit of it and then didn't finish it. Uh, so, so it's going to be exciting to to get through it completely, and and I'm sure there'll be huge takeaways. Thanks, guys.